On this episode of Building Men, tapping into what really matters and reframing the idea of unfortunate events, an interview with none other than Austin Linney. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Meralda. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. My name is Dennis Meralda. Building Men is geared toward helping you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Today on the podcast, I'm honored to be joined by the host of the Construct Your Life Podcast, co-host of the Brain Dump Podcast, life coach, entrepreneur, business owner, probably one of the most influential people in my life, definitely over the last year, but probably over the course of my 44 years. There hasn't been, haven't been many people who have influenced me and have inspired me as much as my guest today. So I wanted to introduce everyone to none other than Austin Linney. Welcome aboard, Austin. Wow. Got a lot, got a lot to live up to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting before we get started, Guys, life is interesting because if you're available for the message or your or something hits you in a moment, you know, I had one conversation with Dennis, right? And his whole mentality shifted. Now he's built out a course, the podcast is going crazy. It's people don't show up for themselves. And if you're have the mentality that that one conversation, that one sentence, that one book could change when you're ready to hear it, your, your entire life could change. And, and I see it so often where I operate in the recovery space, you know, for my free time, helping people in recovery, that one sentence, that one person believing in them actually in their corner can change your entire life. Cause that's what I believe is the actual issue is that people haven't had that person in their corner. Right. Like, I don't think that like, you know, yeah, your parents are your parents, but, but they're still your parents. Like they're living their life and everything like, but to have that third party dedicated person in your life can change your entire life. The, the fact that you brought that up to start with, that's amazing to me. I had, a, I had one quote written down. I don't script interviews. I had one thing written down and it's a quote that you said on uh, Men on purpose podcast with Ian Lobos. And the quote is sometimes you don't believe in yourself enough to change so you have to borrow the love of somebody else and what they see in you until you're strong enough to believe in yourself that quote from that podcast really stood, stood out to me so the fact that you brought that up to start today um that really resonated with me well isn't that the rub right i was just on a podcast and that's what i was saying to him it wasn't until i got around highly highly successful men mentors of mine go abundance etc that they were like hey brother you got it. Like the fact that you think you don't got it is really your problem, but that's okay. We'll work on that. But when they're telling you like, okay, you want to make this much a year, like you can do that. That's easy. And you're like, what? Like what? Because I truly believe that we're playing small all the time. Like, and what I tell my team all the time is if you can wake up every day and understand that Gary V thinks he's playing small, then we have work to do. Yeah. It's as simple as that, because at the end of the day, the only person that dictates the opportunities that are available for you are you. And the issue being that you look, perfect example, got a new coaching client yesterday. What do they always tell me? No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Like I've had work, like I've worked on myself. I love myself. And after like 45 minutes, I go, your biggest problem is you don't love yourself truly. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, because it's, it doesn't matter how many people I coach, it's the number one issue that's running through everything. Everybody is so, it's so easy for everybody to, to help other people and support other people and, and do all that. But how do you feel about yourself? Like, do you really take the time necessary to understand that there is something that you were put on this planet for? Tap into that. And only do that thing. If you do that, I promise you, you won't need extra stuff because you'll be living in your why. And coming from that mindset as well, there was such a long time that I felt like I'm fine. Everything is okay. 
Everything looked a certain way from the outside. Um, and I was really fooling myself for years and years. It, it's until you really start to start shedding that, like trying to break down those layers that exist, not only to the outside world, but in your own mind. I think all the journey starts with, you have to take a deep, difficult look inside and be like, okay, what am I not okay with in here? And then how can I change it? What are the steps that I can take? And there has to be some big action that's associated with that. So that was, that's, that's what you do is you help people stop the bullshit and take a deep look into themselves. I still remember one of our first conversations. Uh, you reached out to me and we were, we were bullshitting a little bit and we were asking you what I wanted to do. And I said, I wanted to do an online course or a program. It's something I always believed in. And we talked about it a little bit. And there was finally one day you're like, and I'll never forget this. You looked into my eyes via Zoom and you're like, say, you said it in this really empathetic way. You're like, okay, fuck stick. Get your fucking shit moving. Let's go fucking move, man. And that's exactly what I needed to hear at that so. time. <laughs> So somebody said somebody said something to me the other day, and I think it wraps up my coaching. Nobody could describe it better. She goes, you have this amazing, delicate balance of compassion and whipping my ass at the exact same time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So no because, 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 because here's, the, here's the rub, is that the personal standards that we expect out of everybody else around us is very high except the internal standards are very low for most people. Right. And it's really easy to let ourselves down too. That's what we do all the time. We don't, we don't hold ourselves accountable. We let ourselves down. We wouldn't do this to another person. We're really good at trying to inspire other people and giving other people advice, but we're not taking that advice ourselves. And so you talked about the space that you work in or for with people that are really, um, that are going through some challenging times. It could be that they're trying to get over something it could be an addiction um to whatever so how did you get into that space so from where you were and you're you're a texas guy um so how did you get from where you where you started to kind of where you are now where you're helping people going through these challenges and these battles internally yeah it's interesting uh we were talking about on the podcast i was just on one of my mentors told me like i, I was like i had him on the podcast and he's like hey like do you like do you want me to talk about your bio and he was like no who gives a fuck and he's like i don't care He's like, my failures are what define me. And so as I look back on my life, like my failures, my, my blowing my life up multiple times is, is what I coach. It's, it's what I've been through. And, and where that started for me was, you know, 17 years old, my parents decided uh, that I was misbehaving in school, um, didn't really give a shit about school. So they were like, look, military school or like the country. And so I moved out to the country uh, which consider like East Texas. And like, so I went from like high end society, country club living to like a house out in the country and a small school and, uh, worked in the restaurant business. And then, uh, in the restaurant business in the nineties, there was a lot of drugs and alcohol. And so I, I, I got, uh, introduced to cocaine and then cocaine quickly led into methamphetamines. And then, um, you know, it was just not in a good, like, it's one of those scenarios where you say it's not that big of a deal. I think that a lot of people do that in life. Like, Hey, I'm 60 pounds overweight. Well, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, no, it took you a lot to get here yeah. and it's going to take a lot to get out of it. Like, so like I tell everybody like Friday night using drugs, then turn into Saturday night, then turn into Monday, Tuesdays. And that's when it's taking up your whole life. And, um, I got to a place where I was, uh, I'd stayed up for like eight days straight. I had lost like 25 pounds. I hadn't eaten. Um, and you know, I had an ex-girlfriend be like, dude, you, you know, you look like shit. Uh, like you gotta get to there. That's when I packed up my stuff and I moved to Austin and I, 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 you know, I don't know why. And I, I really don't, I wish I had a better answer, but I was done with the hard drugs. Uh, wasn't done with alcohol, but was done with the hard drugs. Just realized that I was in a place where work was getting done. I was paying my bills, but it just, you're, you're in this mindless loop of like, is this my life? Like, is this what I'm doing? And, and the scary thing about where we are in society is this could be with anything. Like this could be with Netflix. It could be with TV. It could be with work. It could be in your relationship. And, and the fact of the matter is, is we are so comfortable with being comfortable. 
And I think that when you're surrounded with, and, and I look back at the time, when you're surrounded by other people that are doing drugs on a Tuesday too, nobody's going to call you out because they're doing it with you. Moreover, they're the ones probably wanting you to do it on a Tuesday, right? And so until you remove yourself from that environment, until you make a shift, whether that's moving across the country, whether that's just getting out of that environment, you're going to stay the same. And that, so that intentional discomfort is something that we absolutely need. I, I want to go back really quickly. I deal a lot with um, students and teachers and the, the impact that trauma has on our lives as adults. So there are these adverse childhood experiences that we go through. It could be, you know, drug addiction of a parent. It could be loss of a loved one. It could be divorce. It could be abuse of some sort. But it happens to us between, you know, when we're born and like 18 years old, but those things have a way of manifesting themselves physiologically in our adult lives. So you at 17 years old, you know, these are your parents that, you know, they're your guiding light. And now you're you're basically told you're either going to go to military school or you're moving to this other area to live with with relatives or something. That's probably a traumatic experience for you. So as you look back at it, we never had this conversation before, but as you look back, do you think that that had any impact on your kind of getting into using drugs and kind of going down that path because you kind of felt like you might have been kicked out or abandoned or something like that it's the only reason yeah. <laughs> i mean i what people don't what people don't understand is is that long story short as i look back on it now six months after i decided to move my me and my mom moved to southeast texas uh, my parents got divorced and whether, and they've admitted it, but whether they're shitty communicators or whether I didn't want to see it, I then blame myself for my parents' divorce. And I became, okay, because you couldn't behave in school and you couldn't do this, this is the, the case. And then, then there's the 20 years of stories that I placed on top of that. Like, here we go again, Austin's the troublemaker and all this stuff. So, you know, for me, I truly believe that that 17 year old was the root of all the alcoholism, um, all the, I mean, I, I think it was the predication and foundation for everything really, to be honest with you. So you have an opportunity to go back and talk to yourself at 17 years old, right? As that happens, what, what would you say to Austin Lenny as a 17 year old to kind of help him navigate the next 20 years of his life? I would say, put down your swords, like put down, having to feel like you're trying because i think what we do oh it's interesting question. i think what we do is we immediately put up the walls to protect ourselves instead of just letting it be what it is like right because what's interesting right i shared this on a podcast the other day one of mine everything that i got talked down to about or people were mad about, like, you talk too much, you're creative, you, you have too many ideas, you have a lot of energy, all those things, right? That are bad, 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 you know, guidance counselor, teachers, like, hey, get your shit together, is what they champion me for now. So what I would tell that guy is I would say, be kind to yourself just have a little grace, like understand that you're still, you're so lost in who you are that you don't even know what you're feeling. Right. And I think as I, as I talk to young kids and as I speak to them, I think that's the bigger emotion is that we don't live a society on championing those gifts. We live a society on putting people in a box. Well, Oh, you're a fucking troublemaker. Well, no, maybe just school's not a challenge for it. Like, does anybody understand? I had a fucking photograph. I have a photographic memory. And when I mean like, like, like I had done 300 podcasts and I can tell you what the 10th podcast was and I can play the conversation into you in my mind. Like, so school didn't matter to me. It wasn't a challenge. I didn't find it. I didn't find it fun. And instead of being champion for that, it was Austin's always causing trouble. Austin's doing this. And so when you're, and I'm not a parent, right? But when you're parenting kids or you're, you're, you're empowering young kids, right? Instead of just saying, hey, don't do that. Say like, why are you doing that? But more importantly, like what part of your personality, like what, what part of it is shining through, right? It, it, that's my thing with, 
like we like herd mentality, right? Like, so, so, so like, don't be outspoken. Don't try to win. Don't try to be different. Don't try to do any of those things. Don't try to care. Don't try to take risk. Like that's what we're teaching now instead of like take risks. Okay. School's not your thing, but you built a business at 16 years old and like, okay, great. Like, awesome. I support that. Like that's what we're getting away from. And, and that's what I hope that, that all this, you know, podcasts and all these things is like celebrating it instead of like stamping it down. You hit on a couple points there that really resonate with me as well. One is the, the ability to give, especially, you know, middle and high school boys as you know, that was my, I worked a lot with, you know, kids that were facing challenges in middle and high school, having them understand it's okay to feel it's okay to express yourself, because I feel like you mentioned people are put in a box, and it's really difficult to, to share what you're feeling. And what I recognize is that a lot of kids are going through the same shit, they just don't have this venue or this avenue to be able to share what they're going through. The other thing that I was thinking was, school doesn't serve a student like you well so you're really bright and but you're also you know you probably had some like raging adhd that you're like you know what i don't want to sit still and like just your personality is your go 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 so one of my goals that i've realized i mean it's a pretty lofty fucking goal i look at it as like you know game of thrones the fucking wall that's there that separates you know westeros from the wildlings I want to break down the fucking wall that exists in education because I feel like what we're doing is we're creating these cookie cutter molded kids that are we're telling them how we want them to think. So if we had an opportunity to go back and kind of reinvent the education system, in your opinion, what are things that would have really helped you as a high school student to kind of get to where you are now? What what lessons might you need to have learned? What courses? What maybe even the structure of it, as I think that just the structure of the education system, what could we do different to make it better for this generation moving forward? So, and I, I've rarely talked about this, but I'll talk about this with you because I guess I'm so far removed from it. Like the education system is a very interesting, <laughs> I mean, we could do seven hours on, yeah, on, we on education alone because I, I want to, like, let's, let's be honest. Like I'm building, you know, a couple of businesses. I built some businesses. I've, I've worked in the invest and I worked in private equity. I went to college. I dropped out of college three times. Um, I have not used one fucking thing <laughs> that I learned in school. I mean, not one, no offense. Who gives a shit what civil war was fought? Who gives a shit about geometrical shapes? And like, it doesn't, we're not teaching them anything, anything. And more importantly, if we really dive even farther into it, in the inner cities, in poverty stricken neighborhoods, there's a lot of people that don't know how a fucking credit card works. There's a lot of people that don't know how, what a mortgage is, like how to get a mortgage. Like what you're not doing is you're not, you know, it, you know, now that we're talking about this, something I think that would be amazing is, oh my God, I just came up with the greatest idea ever. What if, what if we made every student take a personality test and we match the student with the teacher that teaches best to that personality? Like how amazing would that be? It's the same thing I do with my coaching clients, right? What's your personality? How do you like to be talked to? How do you like to be congratulated? How do you like to be teached? Some people are visual learners. Some like, you know, an email. Some don't want any of that. They're, they're more on video. Like, what if you actually like, because I want to create a coaching network, right? Like, okay, you want to coach like men who are going through divorce. Well, boom, you go to Dennis. Like, oh, you need a trainer. Like you go to my buddy, Christian. Like you need to get your ass kicked. You go to Austin. You need to learn wholesaling. You go to that person. Instead of realizing that it's not one size fits all, it's who fits with what. And there's this guy, Howard Gardner, he's one of the educational theorists that we had to study in college and basically said there are different learning styles. It's interpersonal, it's linguistic, it's kinesthetic, where maybe movement is more part of what you're doing. Um, it's intrapersonal, where maybe you need to go inside and learn things, you know, just you in a book or you in a computer screen. And so I think you're onto something there, just kind of trying to tailor. It's almost like a differentiated learning experience for 
the students. We talk in education, you talk about differentiated instruction where you want to kind of tailor to their needs, but it's still the same educator that's trying to kind of make it fit. It's trying to make a square peg fit in a round hole. What if we envision in a way oh. where this is what, what I have to offer? Who, how can I best help the students that well, are there? Well, think about it this way. It's like, it's like asking, let's say you're a history teacher. It's like asking a doctor to teach a, a golf lesson. Like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, 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 what the fuck? Like, like, you're just, you're doing, like, I would tell you right now that I believe the problem with corporate America, I'm a hundred percent. I don't even need to ask. I know this is the problem that 90% of the people doing a job are doing a job they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> they're in a wrong, they're just filling a fucking hole in a peg. And guess what? We're doing the same thing in education and it needs to stop right now and you think about so there there would be it's like it's like body it's like it's like not having enough nurses in a fucking penitentiary that's what it is it's like we're just filling warm bodies but that's not this is the youth of america these are the people that are going to be the president ceos and and fathers and and moms and, and 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 we're just filling up warm bodies it's not okay it doesn't work that way and not only that, I think there was always this uh, preconceived notion that you, I know that for me, even though my parents never like specifically told me this, that you have to go to college. Like there's, you, you have to graduate high school and go to college. Where I think that, that that's such a falsehood now, especially what we've recognized over the last year. There's so much information out there at your fingertips that if you, if you have the drive, you can find out what you need. You can hire a coach that can work with you. You can, you know, do an online course. You don't have to go five years or four years no. into college and be 200 grand in debt. Well, what's interesting to me is that why are all my mentors, high level, high entrepreneurs, achievers, why are they all homeschooling? They're over it, right? They're over it. And so as you said that, you just made me realize something. Like I'm going to get coaches for my kids, like a, a fitness coach, uh, a spiritual coach. Am I, like they're going to have a team of coaches. I'd rather have somebody specialized in exactly what they do and let them stay in their lane and cultivate a, a, a young human's mind than, than, than have some random Betty, you know, or, you know, Frank, who, you know, it's like, it's like, what is, what's the joke? Like your business professor is teaching you business, yet he's never started a fucking business. Right. Like, right. So as you're talking about that too, here's here's something um, to to think about. Most teachers that that most students experience, probably between the ages of kindergarten and say like sixth grade, are let's call it what it is. They're white females. They're pretty much like young men. Like we're, as we think about, it, I look at my own experience, and I might have had a male teacher say in like fourth or fifth grade. But other than that, like young men are getting raised with white females kind of dictating to them the the curriculum based on their own scheme of their own you know perception of the world i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but let's just say that that's where they're getting a lot of their information from so when when do young men understand what it's what it's like to be a man growing up in society like when do they understand what masculinity means at what point in our educational system do we start to talk to men about masculinity and there was never, there's, the answer is never. It's, it doesn't ever happen that that comes out. Yet we want our men to be men. Females want men to be masculine, I would, I would think. Um, but they're never taught in any way, shape, or form. If they don't have a positive male role model or influence in their life, where do they get that information from? Do they get it from social media? Do they get it from watching porn? Like, where do they understand what being mm -hmm. a man really means? No, they don't. I mean, right. it's as simple as that. I mean, we we've removed the, you know, what's interesting. And just cause I'm in this space, I can't tell you how many people are successful in real estate or business or whatever, uh, or great agents or whatever, whatever they are. And you know what their answer is all the time on the podcast? Like, where'd you learn your information? YouTube, mm -hmm. YouTube, like, and so that's become the new teacher in America. Like YouTube's the teacher. And so until we decide that for our family and our safety and for us and for everybody involved that we deserve better, we won't get better. And it's going to take standing up and actually taking ownership of the fact that 
we're still have a school system that is built off stuff from 1910 and we're not in 1910 anymore. <laughs> like it's the one thing that hasn't changed. It just blows my mind out of my body. Absolutely. Also, I, I even want to re-envision how we look at how students are assessed. Like grades are such an antiquated thing, in my opinion. It needs to be more about the journey than the destination. When we're when we're assigning a numerical grade to to effort that happens, learning ends at that point. So you hand something to me, Austin, way to go, 92, you take it back, okay, I'm done with whatever that assignment was. But if it's more about the journey, like what do you want to learn about? If it's about entrepreneurship, then let's help you start a business and let's go through that process. And it's more about the process than it is about the product in education, in my opinion. That's what we have to kind of get towards in some way. It becomes more about the journey and the experience that you have. That's where the learning happens. And then having someone that could coach you along the way that can say, hey, you know, this went really well. Let's talk about it. Or this didn't go well. Like, let's talk about what can you learn from that? And without saying the word, call them a fuck stick when they need to be called a fuck stick, basically. Yeah, I love that. For sure. Okay, that's, yeah, we might get some parents on us for that. But yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Maybe we'll say it in a, in a you know, yeah. more PC way. So going back to your story. So now you're in you're in this restaurant business, right? And, you know, you're, you're kind of living life to, to like hard. You're living life hard. And then you had like you've had a series of unfortunate events that happened in a really short period of time that left you, you know, sleeping on your buddy's floor in a closet. And you were just you were in these really tough situations. How did you finally like pull yourself out? Like, was there a moment that you had or was it a person or was it? So actually, I'll actually change your word there. Not unfortunate events, fortunate events. Okay. Because the reason is, is because I my decisions are what got me there. And so if I were to say unfortunate events, it would be like, I didn't have control of what was going on, but I did. I love that. And so at the end of the day, my bad decisions or bad choices did get me where I was, which was sleeping in a closet, uh, cut off from my parents. I was working uh, construction, you know, 60 hours a week, trying to save up money, living off ham sandwiches. Um, And a guy asked me on a podcast, He said, you know, when you were living in that 150 square foot closet and you were working like 60 hours a week, like I went from a, you know, 4,500 square foot house or 3,000 square foot house on a golf course to that closet. He said, what, how did, how did you get out of there? And I said, look, regardless of whatever happened to me, my default mechanism has always been to work to get to work. Action begets what I need to do. And so, you know, for me, as much as I kicked the hard drugs, I was still drinking, you know, I was still kind of playing the victim, but I was, I was better. I was, I was definitely moving in the right direction and, you know, proceeded to, to always work hard, but just because you're working hard doesn't mean that you were getting stuff done. And so I, you know, proceeded to be, what you would classify a functioning alcoholic for, for about 20 plus years. Um, I've been sober two years and three and a half months, four months. So, so I got, I started getting sober at like 36. Um, I tried for like 28 days. Uh, I was going 30. I couldn't, I couldn't make the extra two and I had a drink and I was like super upset with myself because it didn't really make me feel good anymore, but it was like driving me crazy. So I had to like, do it. And, uh, and I was like, gave myself 30 days. And I was like, you know what? I was in business with these two guys who were, had been like nine months and 10 months sober. And I was like, they're like, look, if you ever try to like, just, just really try to like dedicate yourself to it. So I was like, I was like, all right, so I'm going to go like 60 days. I was like, I can make 60 days. So like I got to like day 30 and I'm like, all right, I feel, I feel all right. I feel good. And so I got to like day like 60 and I was like, well, what if I, what if I went like six months? Like, what would that look like? Like, holy shit. Um, And like day, like 45, I started feeling like really good, like really, really good. I started losing some weight and uh, I got to like six months and I was like, what if I went like nine months? Right. And then I was like, shit, I feel great. Like my life's changed, you know, like, so I was like, fuck, what if I went like a year? And so like that year turned into like year two and and I've, I've lost like 65, 70 pounds. Um, and it, it's interesting because people ask me all the time, like, 
do you think you're ever going to drink again? And I'm like, I could, but I don't want to. And it's not that I, it's not that it has anything to do with it. It's that like, I, I asked my coaching clients to do this. And I asked myself the same thing, like chase the feelings that feel the best. And at the end of the day, I'm at such a place right now where I don't even, I never think about it ever. And, and, and here's the problem with addiction is that you think that's never going to go away. <laughs> that's the question I get asked the most. Like, are you ever going to not like fucking want it so bad? And like, at some point, it just really does. But here's the interesting thing. And I'll, I hope this resonates with everybody who's ever had addiction or is going through it currently is stopping drinking is not the problem. The problem is, is that your identity of who you see yourself as is a drinker. And so to remove that from your identity and leave you with nothing, an identity that you're not familiar with is the actual scary part of addiction. Because then you have to be the you that's inside that only you can see when you're not drunk. So maybe you go to a party and you kind of like the person who comes out who's a little bit more outgoing, a little bit more demonstrative, a little bit more able to, you know, recognize those social situations. And if you're left without that, that buffer that exists, then it's just you on the inside. And maybe people are afraid to let that person come out. Well, more importantly, you're afraid to let that person right. come out because you don't even know who that person is anymore. And so that's where the coaching comes in. That's where we're like trying to strip away the, the stories and the BS and the everything. And like, and at the end of the day, I hate to tell, I hate to give everybody a secret is they come to me and they're like, well, this is what I think. This is what I think. This is what I think. And I go, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all BS. It's predicated on some. And here's the scary thing is the moment that you start getting better, your friends and family start getting pissed off too. And it's not that they're upset that you want to get better. It's that you're a mirror onto their life. And so for you to get better makes them look at themselves. So they're going to get frustrated and they're going to lash out. And so the, the not drinking is, is not the biggest issue. It's all the things that change around you that push up against you is actually harder to stay sober than the actual not drinking part. Do you think that you being in a coaching space has helped you battle the, it could be the cravings or the mindset that goes along with it? Because like you're, you're dealing with people every day that are experiencing, you know, overcoming it or that they're in the, in the throes of the, the demons that are trying to pull them back down. Do you think that that has helped you stay away from it? That you're seeing people on a regular basis. You're like, Hey, let me help you. Or let me, if you weren't involved with coaching at all, do you think you'd be as successful as you are right now? Hmm. I know this, I think unknowingly I've created kind of a social accountability that I don't have a choice, but to be amazing. <laughs> I know it sounds so stupid, but it's like, no, but it's like, no, but at the end of the day, you know, Tim Grover and Andy Frisella were talking about this morning. Like, how can you be a leader of people if you're not a leader in your own, if you're not taking care of yourself? Like, and so like, if my coaching clients see me slipping like they're not going to be inspired by me so like what the fuck are we doing like patrick who you're going to talk to on monday he said something to me that changed my life he said the moment <laughs> he said the moment that he changed he wanted to change his life and be a leader and an inspirer and a motivator he said god fucked his shit up for two years <laughs> he said he said he held me down underwater and he said oh okay you decided that you want to carry the burden of being a leader of men. I'm going to see how bad you want it. And I'm going to beat you up. And, and I feel like that's what I've been going through. Yeah. It's like, oh, you really want to inspire people and you really want to help people. Well, we're going to throw you every curveball and every mountain that you can see. And we'll see how bad you want it. It's like your comment. I made the mistake of saying series of unfortunate events. I should have checked myself. I, I interviewed this guy named Greg Lewis on the podcast a while back mm -hmm talking to him about, you know, he had a difficult situation where he was going to play professional basketball in Greece. He signed a contract and a week before he got into a debilitating car crash and he broke two vertebrae. He severed muscles in his shoulder and he would never play basketball again. And at the time he went into this deep depression and he realized 
had that not happened, he wouldn't be in a situation where he's leading men now. He said, there are no losses in life. There are lessons. He said, every L that you think about is a lesson, not a loss. So all that shit that you went through when you were going through the throes of, of alcoholism and drug abuse and sleeping on the floor in your buddy's closet, it wasn't a loss. Those were lessons that led you to where you are now to inspire other men and other women. Well, what's interesting, right, is now we've got to a place, and I'm not perfect, nor do I claim to be, but now I've got to a place in my mind where it might not happen in the initial moment, but moving forward, I get there, is that I don't look at anything as a problem anymore. I literally look at it like when I got divorced, my first thought was, man, I'm going to be able to help out so many people with this. It's not like, it's, look, guys, it's not like I'm seeking out these things, right. but now it's a thing of like, okay, mm-hmm. lost your job, restaurant business for 20 years, wanted to get out. Oh, I can see it. I can help you. Like when you switch it around that way, then you become a servant and you, and you lift up and you impact instead of playing the victim. And the victim's not going to get you anywhere because at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, like, what is this teaching me? Because everybody's teaching you something. And, and, and more importantly, to, to piggyback on that, every decision or every choice is, is your choice. Like being on this podcast is a choice. Not working out this morning is a choice. Uh, showing up in a bad mood is a choice. It's all a choice. But we're at walking around thinking that it's not a fucking choice. <laughs> That's the issue. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that we have a choice every day whether or not we want to be happy? We have that choice every single day, no matter what happens to us, it is up to us. We can choose our attitude in every single situation we encounter. I want to ask you a question because we've both been through the same thing. In the midst of a divorce or in the midst of a marriage falling apart, there's aspects of whether or not you want to admit it out in public or not, that I'm not good enough. This is a failure and I'm never going to be loved again. I'll tell you, that goes deep with me. That goes, but 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 yeah. Look at us now. Yeah, both be you and I. I'll tell you, Austin. That goes back to me as a like in my experience as a kid, where I I felt like I had been abandoned at several times in my life. Like really close friends that I had growing up. Like I recount like four really close friends from the time I was in elementary school through high school, even into college, where my best friend in college, he was my co- my best man in my wedding, I was the best man in his wedding, we both were pitchers together in college, he moved down to South Carolina in the middle of the night, pretty much. So from the time I was little, like a couple of friends moved away, one friend was an alcoholic, and he um, he went through a, you know, a rehab program, they told him, you can't be hanging around the same people that you were drinking with. So you need to kind of cut ties. So there were a couple of people in my life that I felt like abandoned me. And then there was a time as I was going through my separation, I was like, what is it about me? Like, am I not lovable? Am I not worthy enough? Am I not able to like keep people in my life that want to be around me? So I went through this really, it was part of my depression. I went through like, what's wrong with me that, that these people don't want to stay in my life anymore. So I had to do this really deep look and I had to be like, you know what? You can't worry about that. You need to worry about what, what you ha- what you know what is inside of you and what you can do to better yourself. And then hopefully everything else will fall into place. Well, what's interesting, right? I have a girl that I'm helping right now who is a uh, mom of three, uh, almost killed herself twice from drinking, sober now, lost 30 pounds, just won uh, fitness CrossFit of the month at her, at her local CrossFit. She's working, doing some work for me now. And, and, I sent her a text this morning that I think is very relevant for this conversation. She doesn't know a ton about investing, but doesn't know anything. And we focused on mindset first and, and getting healthy and all that stuff. And now we're focusing on some business learning stuff, some time management. And I texted her, I said, you invested in yourself and now it's time to focus on investing in your future. But the rub is this. We think we invest in our future first and our self last. And that's the problem. When people see all the weight I've lost, people that are enlightened, people that see the whole picture, they don't say anything of, man, you look sexy. Oh, you look like you lost a bunch of weight. You look great. You know what they say to me? You look happy. Because I did it this way. 
I went from the inside out, not the outside in. Absolutely. And I believe it all has to happen. It has to happen together. Like the physical, I think the physical step has to come first. You have to take the, take the action first, but the next move is you have to look deep inside and say, why am I going on this journey? But it can't just be the physical shit. You have to work on the mind set as well that's that's such a huge part of it and part of it is confidence well the well the problem was is the big aha moment that i had that changed my life was i realized that was what was killing me was the internal promises that i broke to myself for 36 years the stopping the starting the everything and realized that it was all on me and the moment that i switched it around and started trying to win the day and create little victories and lean on health and lean on working out was that was the quickest way to small wins that, that placated, like there's something I don't share a lot. When I sign up for something, I don't give a fuck if they land a fucking B 25, a bomber in my fucking driveway or the world's on fire. I'm going to go work out. Like, because here's the thing there, that, that me not completing something, no matter the, the obstacle, is a promise I made to myself when I got sober. And so you're not going to stand in my way because that's a promise, an internal contract that I signed with myself that when I fucking start something, I finish it because that was my problem for 36 fucking years. <laughs> and I can, I can speak to that um, truth from my personal experience with you, you and I had a couple Zoom meetings set up with a big Brit from the other side of the pond, Luke Mace. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I want to say it was like seven o'clock here in New Jersey. It was like 5 a.m. In, in Texas. And it's, you know, maybe noon where, where Luke was. And you're, you're like, listen, I'm here, but I'm, I'm on the elliptical right now, or I'm training, or I'm like, you're doing lap pull downs as we're talking because you were showing up for that meeting no matter what. And so the whole idea of your daily habits and the daily routines that you have in place, I'm such a big believer. And if you want to make big changes, you have to start with small incremental wins. You have to start with the daily habits that you just, it just becomes part of what you do and what you're about. So it's like, it takes 21 days to create habit or something. It takes three months plus to create a lifestyle or to change your lifestyle. What are certain things that you're doing every single day that are, that's helping you achieve these big gains you know what's interesting? I think the number one issue in America is we don't drink enough water. I mean, it sounds so simple, right? But like, that's one. Mm -hmm. Second thing is I read 10 pages of, of a book a day. Guaranteed that's happening. My thing, my sanctuary for me is just for me because I have a very busy day most days and there's a lot of energy ex expended is I take 45 minutes in the morning and I go for a walk. Uh, I read my pages on the walk or I'll listen to a book or like whatever. Like it's just kind of my start to the day. Um, um, that's super important to me. My thing is this, is my days get away from me uh, sometimes. And so I try to make sure that I knock out everything that's for me in the morning. And, and I try to get it in early. And that way, like I, like I call it a pseudo armor. Like I'm taking the time for myself to pour into myself and putting on my armor to go out and face the world. And too many times we're, you know, we, we go to work at nine o'clock and we're getting up at age 40. We're, we're throwing on a shower. And we're, it doesn't work that way. How can you show up as the best version of yourself when you haven't showed up for yourself in the morning? Yeah, absolutely. Those are, I, I just connected you with Stephen Mathis who he'll be on, you know, it'll be you and him back to back on, on the podcast. Um, and his thing is about those daily habits, those daily things. And one of the things that he says is, you know, drinking enough water every day. Um, absolutely. That's such a huge thing that people do not do enough of. But again, that self-care, like investing in you. So, I mean, I look at, at today's, you know, discussion was investing in yourself, but also having the courage to look deep within you to see the the kind of, you know, chinks in the armor almost. Like, But, but here's the more, here's the more important and, and the powerful word here is giving yourself permission to invest in yourself, right? And what I mean by this is you have to come almost hack yourself. Look, uh, he's coming up on the podcast in a couple couple weeks, maybe. I have met a human being, and this is hard for me because I rarely do things for myself most of the time that has changed my life. 
And he is a bodywork specialist. He's a massage therapist, energy guy. And uh, he comes over like once a week. And because I'm more predicated on if I'm going to pay somebody or I'm going to give somebody my money, I'm more, I'm held more accountable to him. So for that hour and a half that he's working on me, I'm meditating. We're listening to meditation music has changed my entire life. Like I literally walk out, but like allowing myself the permission to spend money on something like that and say, I need this. And Sal was the one that actually told me that like healers need healers. Like as a coach, you're learning, like there's a lot of energy involved in this. And so if I'm not taking the time to like turn myself off, like he's like, he's like, uh, Ray was saying like, you almost need me to be the best coach you can do. And I was like, yes, hundred percent. Like, but I had to realize that in my own head. Right. Because like, we can go, 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 but we need to make sure that we're, you know, we're showing up as the best version of ourselves. Cause like I tell everybody, Time in work isn't the thing because that can be effective. Like actual efficient, potent time in work is what we're searching for, not just time in work. It's really easy for us to spend seven bucks a day at Starbucks, 1200 bucks on brand new iPhone. That's easy for us to rationalize and do a hundred bucks once a week to go out to dinner, but to invest in ourselves through a course or uh, working with a mentor or a coach, people are really hesitant to do that, to invest that money in themselves. But I've certainly seen the power in, you know, taking that risk, investing in yourself, because the, the payoffs are, are exponential when the confidence that you build in yourself based on that experience won't only help you. There's that ripple effect that you spoke about as well that will help other people down the road. Mm-hmm. that's the beauty in that whole uh, mentoring and coaching part as well is that you're only only helping yourself you're helping every person that you're showing up for in your life in some way it's it's you know the 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 pond you know the ripple effect of impact right and and, and so like people think i'm being aggressive when i say this but i said this just yesterday too like when i'm coaching you I don't give a fuck about your spouse I don't, dude, to be honest with you, I don't care about your kids. I don't care about your mom. I don't care about your brother. I don't care about your boss. I care about you, what you want. I don't want to hear about what they want. I'm here for you. Well, why is that the case, Austin? Well, because if you're the best version of yourself, then it's going to ripple effect in every other aspect of your life. Because when you start loving yourself completely and your internal standards go up, the people around you will notice and they'll raise their standards. What does Ed Milet say all the time? Temperature regulates a room. So if, a, if your internal temperature as an entrepreneur and a human being is 75, 80, well, the AC is going to regulate it. Well, when you step into a room of millionaires, that internal temperature goes up automatically because they're holding that space in the room. So when you were hanging out with the guys at the, at the restaurant and everybody's like hey fuck it we're gonna do some coke tonight that's part of what we do you're like yeah that's part of what we do when you're hanging out with people that are raising your game it's like yeah this is what we do right this, we're gonna raise the temperature in the room here perfect example you know your life's changed when you're having meetings at 5 and 6 a.m instead of Instead of right. being drinking at the bar at 10 o'clock at night. Right. Or the meetings that you're having at 5, 8, 6 a.m. are like from the night before that you're like, hey, let's fucking keep this party going with an eight ball right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the party, the meetings have changed for sure. <laughs> so my last question to you, not that I've asked a ton of questions, it's more just been us bullshitting, but I like to think of it as you're, what you're doing right now is you're planting seeds and you're watering them and they're growing based on your interactions with people. So if I were to say, you know, you're, you know, you're on your deathbed right now and I could say, Austin, what is one thing that you've done to leave a legacy or to kind of perpetuate your life's mission? What would that be? You know, one of the things I live in is, is that I want to leave it better than I found it. I think that's super important, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, my why is to impact everybody I'm around, lift them up. So at the end of the day, uh, that'll never be a task that I complete. And I just want to walk off this earth, letting, giving people the freedom to be themselves, giving people the freedom to understand that their story matters. 
It doesn't matter if it was bad, good, or you had money, or you didn't have money, or it was not drugs. It doesn't matter. Your story matters. And by you tapping into it and sharing it, you're going to help one person. And if you've helped one person, then you've done your job. That's a that's a beautiful way to to end here, Austin. I really appreciate it. How can how can people on the Building Men podcast that are following along either on Building Men or on Instagram, how can they reach out to you? How can they get in touch with you? So AustinLenny.com has my podcast and a lot of other stuff, but reach out to me on Instagram. I'll totally respond to you on DMs. Uh, Construct Your Life podcast is the podcast, and then you have Brain Dump podcast. So any of those app forms, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, just check it out. Uh, go check out the amazing episode with uh, Dennis. Uh, he crushed it. Uh, and then we'll go from there. Do you, well, so the, the date of that episode, I want to say it was, it aired on February 8th. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to match your, uh, your photographic memory there. I want to say it was February 8th. Dude, was- let's see, man. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> no, but, but I want to, I want to say something for anybody that's listening. That's a fan of Dennis. I meet a lot of people, a lot of people. I don't know if there's a human being that is more firm and stands taller than this human being does, Dennis, and what he stands for and what he's going to do in this world and what he's going to impact. It's so amazing to meet somebody that truly shows up for people in the way that he does. And I know he's just getting started and it's an amazing honor to have a front row seat to be able to watch him create a space for, for people to change. And, and I'm so excited to do things with them in the future. And it's been an amazing journey to watch um, just you explode and, and, and come out of your shell. It's a fucking awesome. I appreciate that. You got me choked up here a little bit. I gotta, I don't have any tissues in this room, right? right well, now. Good. Somebody's going to cry on this podcast. Thank goodness it's not me because normally it's me, but yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate it. I mean, I, you have really inspired me over the last, like I mentioned, the last six months since I've met you in my life. Um, this journey that I've gone on, it couldn't be where it is right now if it wasn't for you. I, I just, I truly believe that you believed in me in a time when I needed someone to believe in me. And I will, I'm eternally grateful for you for, for the rest of my life moving forward and really excited to see what we can kind of collaborate on and, and move forward with together. Um, so I'll put all the information on how to contact Austin Linney in the show notes on the podcast. I'll also put some stuff up on Instagram for people to take a look at. To reach out to me, uh, email is buildingmencoach at gmail.com. The Instagram is building.men on Facebook. It's Building Men Podcast. Again, Austin Linney, thank you so much, brother. I love you. I truly appreciate everything um, and, and our connection together. And uh, we'll see you next time on Building Men. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you.